my Savior, that's what you are to me. You free me, complete me. My Savior, that's what you are. There's no
Jersey. I'd like to welcome you to Crossroads Ministries this morning. We're glad that you're here today. Would you please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle today? This helps us to be able to better care for you and your family as we seek our mission here at the church. We're glad that you're here worshiping the Lord with us. This week at Crossroads, just a few announcements. Crossroads Worship Choir will be meeting tonight at 4.30 as they are preparing for the uh, Good Friday night of worship. So please, if you're in the choir, remember to be here at 4.30 today. Then on Wednesday, we have our adult Bible fellowships. Wednesday evening at 6.30, there's a men's Bible fellowship and a women's Bible fellowship. We encourage you to come out, get involved, jump into one of those groups and meet some other people and have a, enjoy a study centered around the Word of God. Also on Wednesday evening, we have Connect Student Ministries. They meet over at our Straight Street building. That is uh, our middle school is at 6 o'clock and our high school is at 7.30. We're trying to connect students to Jesus and to each other. I've been hearing some really great things happen over there at Connect Students. Uh, pastor Caleb, our student pastor, he shared with me some really exciting things that happened this past Wednesday night, how God is moving in students' lives. As a matter of fact, they're having an event coming up this Friday. It's called March Madness. March Madness is a, an all-night event. They're going to start out here at the church. Uh, the Word of Life worship team is coming, and they have a, a jump team, a recreation team. It's going to be a very exciting night for, for teenagers. And also, we have a guest speaker coming in from Texas. His name is John Sladen. So we're excited about the opportunity that God has provided for us, for our teenagers to reach out. Um, and then they're going to they're gonna go from here. Red Robin's opening up at midnight for these kids. And then they're going out, on out to the Isoplex to go ice skating and soccer. And then they're going bowling and laser tag. It's a full night. It's a great night for our teenagers. And there's a lot of excitement generated around it. As a matter of fact, I went down to a local restaurant here in Finleyville, stopped in there the other day, and uh, the waitresses who were in high school students, they said, hey, we're coming to that March Madness at your church. Isn't that exciting? Let's give God a hand for that. That's, that just thrills me, you know? When I'm out in the community and somebody says, hey, I heard about your church and I'm coming up. So we're really thankful for what God is doing. Would you please be in prayer for the students this week? They're inviting their friends. That's this Friday, March the 20th, overnight. Let's ask God just to shower down his blessing on them that many students will come to Christ. And then also uh, this week on Thursday, we have our Lego Derby race. That's Thursday in the gymnasium. And uh, this is going to be a great time when families come together. They build these cars with their children. This past week they were building them. And uh, this week they're going to race them. So it's going to be a fantastic time where we uh, are enjoying a family experience. The gospel will be presented and uh, we're just going to love on each other and share the gospel of Christ. So that's this Thursday. And if you're available and you, you, you don't have kids, come on up and watch it. It'll be a fun night. Marriage 101 begins today after the service. At, at 11, after the 11 o'clock service, marriage, class marriage 101 begins today. Also, we have uh, the Easter egg extravaganza coming up Saturday, March 28th. Can't believe that this stuff is right upon, uh, upon us already. The Easter egg extravaganza. Jenny is, has a table in the foyer, and she just asked me in between services, she said, would you please ask for candy? We need candy to stuff these eggs. So if you could help us by uh, donating some candy, help us by donating your time, you'll see her in the foyer afterwards. Plenty of room to get involved. We already have about 40 kids pre-registered, which is kind of exciting. Help us get the word out. Good Friday. We have our Good Friday night of worship on Friday, April the 3rd here at the church, 7 o'clock. It will be a night you don't want to miss. We're all coming together to worship the Lord in honor of the sacrifice that he has done for us. And then we have our, our new class that started here. It's called Starting Point. It's actually not a, a class. It's a discussion. A discussion about God. And I'd like for you to watch this video. If you're interested today, please stay for the orientation after church. Let's be honest. Conversations about faith are usually off limits. It's gotten to the point where the church can be the last place you would think to have a conversation about God. We want to change that. Starting Point is a place where no questions or discussions are off limits. It's not about a teacher giving you information. It's about a conversation. It's about being with other people, like you. And we really mean that. You're free to ask any question you want. This is your opportunity to explore faith freely. 
It's not another place where people will talk at you. We want to talk with you. So are you curious about God, Jesus, the Bible, or Christianity? Or did you recently begin a relationship with Jesus? Or have you returned to church after some time away? Starting Point is for you. Every Starting Point group is guided by qualified leaders, but your voice matters to the group. Your thoughts add value. You may even ask the question that someone else is afraid to ask. Starting Point, where your questions about God turn into a conversation about faith. I'd like to encourage every, everybody that hasn't been to one of those classes like that. Uh, maybe, maybe you accepted Christ as a young kid in a church somewhere, and you never got into a class that really gave you the tools uh, to learn to grow as a Christian. Uh, I want to encourage you to uh, check that orientation out today with Rick Corey and uh, consider becoming a part of that because that, that will help you get your feet on the ground in a spiritual way. Well, we're on, the, we're on the road to Easter, aren't we? Every Easter, we uh, promote in our church uh, turning the price of betrayal into an offering of love. Uh, Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And every year when we take that offering on Easter, we use it to do something in our church to enhance uh, the ministry. This year we're going to begin to pave the way, and you know what that means. I don't even have to explain that to you, right? You drove up onto our parking lot and you said this morning, I wish they'd fix this thing. Well, it's been, our parking lot has been disappearing for a, few, for a few years now, and I think it's finally given up the ghost out there. And so what we have to do is we have to begin to raise a lot of money because if you've done any of this kind of work recently, you know it's very, very expensive. We don't have an exact amount, and it's going to take a while for us to put all those details together. But our offering on Easter for 30 pieces of silver will go just to begin that process of gathering funds. We'd like to make the, uh, the parking lot a little bit larger, uh, configure the car spaces in a different way, uh, and so... Uh, you just begin with us by praying because the Lord's just going to have to open up the windows of heaven for us uh, to raise the amount of money that we're going to need to do this. Let's stand together as our ushers come this morning and we'll receive our morning offering together. We thank you every week for being so faithful in your giving to the church. It makes what we do here in the ministry a whole lot easier uh, to pay our commitments that we have and to pay our missionaries because of your faithfulness. And so let's thank the Lord now who makes it all possible for us. Dear Lord, we thank you first and foremost for giving us a chance to go and make a living for our family. And now we've come, Lord, up here on the hill to our church family. We pray that you will help us to be each and every week a generous giver for your work, Lord. Use these gifts to be a blessing uh, to others. We pray now that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Every 
Let's open our Bibles today, please, to the book of John in the New Testament. Thank you, Lindsay and singers up here. And Dan. This is Dan's birthday. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Sorry, Dan. Jim Seibels, too, if you see him. Congratulate, congratulate him. I better not start naming. You know, when you start naming people, you always have like 40 people you forget. Sorry. Uh, John chapter 13. Next, uh, next Sunday, after our, this service next Sunday, I hope all of you will join us uh, down at Lock 4 in North Charlotte, the fire hall down there. Some of Dale Varega's friends are sponsoring a spaghetti dinner fundraiser for Dale and Lynn. And uh, I know that I've heard a number of you say that you're going down. Uh, we want to support Dale and Lynn all that we can. I do know one thing that since he's been having treatments for this brain tumor, uh, that his income has drastically diminished. And so uh, I'm, I hope and pray that their efforts down there will be uh, well rewarded and I know you'll stand behind that uh, fundraising effort as well. I'd like to talk to you uh, today about the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. John chapter 13, we're going to begin reading in verse number 21. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified, saying, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Here we find our Lord at the Passover meal. And this word betray is an interesting word. It's used six times in the book of John, every time in relationship to Judas. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there were leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, and we believe, of course, uh, this is John, the writer of the Gospel of John, which we're reading. Simon Peter therefore mentioned to him, to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Simon Peter was curious, who's going to betray the Lord? Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out and immediately it was night. Every time I read that last statement, it's kind of, ominous to me it was night it certainly was dark in the heart of Judas because he was about to do uh, one of the most horrific things in human history be that connecting point between the wickedness of man and the divine purpose of God uh, it was certainly dark for the disciples because they were seeing in Jesus, uh, the evaporation of their dreams, really. They had such high hopes for Jesus to lead them. And this was just disappearing from them, and of course then the darkness that Christ went through when he died upon the cross for our sins. Each year since 1970 at Madame Tussaud's Wax Museum in London, England, 
thousands of international visitors are asked to name which person, past or present, real or fictional, they hated or feared the most. The name that topped the list, I think you know who that is, Adolf Hitler. Osama bin Laden, through the years, Idi Amin, Richard Nixon, Margaret Thatcher, Jack the Ripper, and a few years ago, it was uh, Liam Gallagher, the front man for the British rock band Oasis. He made the list. But the person who uh, created this little article that I'm reading here, sharing with you this morning, said that he could not find Judas's name on this list. When I think that in churches like ours, maybe Judas would be there on that list. You know, if immortality was Judas' goal, he certainly achieved it. Really, people don't like Judas for what he did. You've never really seen a St. Judas church, have you? A few years back, uh, biblical names was in favor. Parents were naming their kids with biblical names. Josiah, Joshua, Jeremiah, Aaron, Levi, Obadiah. You've never heard one of them name their kid Judas. Well, I'd like to develop this thought a little bit for you this morning. What do we know about him? First and foremost, we know what Jesus said right here, that he was the betrayer of Christ. Where did he come from? What's his background? Well, we know in the Old Testament, and if you're taking notes today, I'd like for you to write down Psalm 41.9. That's a prophecy of the betrayal of Christ. Judas' name wasn't, men he wasn't mentioned by name, but the act is implied. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted. This is so interesting to me. You know, the Bible is so designed that you can read it all of your life and always discover something new. That's the way God made it. Uh, and no matter how many times you have worked through it, and you think, well, you know, I've read this hundreds of times, you come across something and you say, man, I never saw that before. That's the way the Bible's designed. And in Psalm 41.9, it says that this person who would betray Christ was his friend whom he trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Now, Jesus refers to this very prophecy in verse number 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. It's believed that Judas Iscariot was the only one of our Lord's apostles that came from the south. The town of Kerioth, which is mentioned in Joshua 15.25. Most of you know that our Lord chose his apostles from the north, from Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee. The southern region of Israel was noted for its religiosity, but uh, the northern region was noted for just the opposite. It was a very unreligious place. I find it very interesting that one of our recipients of our birthday gift to Jesus offering, the Johnsons over in England, when they sent back their little video clip thanking the church, remember they were out on the streets in London, England, and they were witnessing for Christ. And they had these t-shirts on that said, Jesus, not religion. And I thought, how cool is that? That is really great. That's the message of our church, too. We're not promoting religion. We are promoting a relationship through Jesus Christ. And it's that relationship through Jesus Christ that makes all the difference in the world. As you're reading through the Bible, you're probably noticing there's a lot of people in there named Judas, and you're trying to scratch your head and say, hey, now, look, which one is this? Do you know that Jesus had another disciple named Judas? He's found in John 14, 22. And it says this, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, do you know that one of the half-brothers of Jesus was named Judas? People always ask, did Jesus have 
brothers and sisters. Well, the Bible says he did. He did. Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not these his sisters here with us? Well, this half-brother of Jesus, whose name was Judas, wrote that little book of Jude right before the book of Revelation. And he kind of gave us a shortened version of his name, who wouldn't? And uh, we know him as Jude. That's just a shortened version of Judas. Well, this Judas, of which I speak to you this morning, was known as the betrayer. He shared in the ministry of Jesus for three years. He saw our Lord's miracles. He heard his sermons. He saw the compassion that Christ had in his heart for other people. Who could ever be the same if they walk with Jesus for that period of time? Judas saw what Abraham and Moses only longed to see. And, and the interesting thing to me is he was a trusted person in the group because he was a keeper of the money. He was the treasurer. You know, when we think about the ministry of Jesus, we don't think about, I don't anyway, think about a treasury. It's hardly ever crossed my mind that he ever needed any money. But, you know, money has always been vital to life. And I'm sure that in the ministry of Jesus, money was important too. The bills had to be paid. Food had to be purchased. You know, Jesus had an entourage. Who was going to feed them? Now, I know that you say that Jesus turned a few fish and loaves into feed thousands of people on several occasions. But that was a very rare thing. Now, where did this money come that Jesus needed for his ministry? Well, in Luke chapter 8, it says this. It came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women, now he had the twelve apostles, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. This is interesting. Of people that Jesus had healed, cast out demons. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom was cast seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. These women especially were people that contributed financially to the ministry of Jesus. And so therefore, they had to have somebody to take care of the money. In other words, in our vernacular today, to write the checks. That was Judas. We only get three glimpses of Judas' interaction in the New Testament. The first is at Bethany. Uh, it was there with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And it was six days before the Passover, and you know what happened. Mary came, and she showered Jesus with this expensive oil. And uh, Judas Iscariot was there, and uh, the Bible says this. He said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? 300 denarii was almost the price, uh, almost the price of a year's wages. Now, you just think with me this morning. Jesus comes to this house, and here's this person, Mary, and she lavishes extravagant love upon Christ, uh, comparable to a year's wages. And so here's Judas, the treasurer. Uh, he didn't like this. And he said, why wasn't this oil sold for this price and given to the poor? And the writer in John chapter 12, verse Number six said this, not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief and that he, he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. And so here is Mary showering Jesus with this expensive oil and, and Judas is looking on and saying, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Boy, he's looking on in glee, wishing he had some of that, that money. Well, I believe that Judas had an inordinate, uncontrolled love for money. And 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says this, where the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I think I've lived long enough to think that maybe the love of money is the root of all evil, everything, craving for money. 
Under the disguise of feeding the poor, Judas would take money. You know, there are plenty of benevolent organizations today that want your money. And good people give them a lot of money. We should always check them out. See how much money the organization is skimming off of people who have a heart to help the poor. Well, Judas would fit in pretty good with these type organizations today, preying on people's sympathies of the poor. It was Passover time. Actually, here in this home, it was mentioned six days before Passover. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says that Christ is our Passover lamb. Remember, John the Baptist introduced Christ and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was showing up right on time. I think God has a timetable. He's certainly not on ours. Uh, he's on his own. And here we find the next glimpse of Judas at the Last Supper. This is, the, this is called the Passover meal. And they're meeting there and they're having this discussion. Lord, who is it that's going to deny you? And uh, he said, listen, the one who dips with me uh, his bread and partakes of it. And so it certainly was. And when Judas did that, he went out into the, the night. And the other dis apostles thought that he was going to go buy some provision or give some money to the poor because that was his job. Uh, but it was night in the soul of Judas, and the darkness of the crucifixion was looming. You know, the ministry for Judas was for him. Uh, it looked like that he could continue to enjoy what was going on as long as there was something in it for him. But now, Judas had finally come to the realization that the ministry which was for him would soon end. And he wouldn't get to take any more of the money that people were giving to the ministry of Christ. And so his opportunity for pilfering was drying up. And so he went to the Jewish leaders and made a deal. Let's make a deal. And the deal was that he would deny, set up the circumstances to deny Christ for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, it had to be the right place at the right time. Remember, the authorities didn't want to arrest Jesus at Passover time because they thought it would start a riot because Jesus was so popular. But Judas figured, you know, we can do this kind of quietly in the middle of the night in the Garden of Gethsemane and not very many people will ever know about it. Uh, and so... Uh, the authorities were saying, listen, don't do it during Passover time. But you know what God Al Almighty, the Father of heaven and earth, was saying? You must do it on my schedule. My son Jesus will be the last Passover lamb. And so divine determination was connecting in some unique way to the wickedness of humanity through the person of Judas Iscariot. You know, money does strange things to people. Uh, money before integrity. Great, money is a great temptation for people. Uh, they are often less honest when it comes to money. Judas had walked with Jesus, but his heart was far from him. And remember Jesus said this in Luke 16. He says, no servant can, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will love the one and be despise the other. He said, you cannot serve God and money. Now, this was one of the problems that Judas had. He had a money problem. I don't think it was his only problem. I think he had plenty of others. But Judas made a choice. I, uh, I think people sometimes ask the question, did, Jesus, did Judas really have the choice to make? Well, Jesus said this, Woe to the man that betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. Jesus was going to hold him accountable for this denial. Psalm 41, 9 and Zechariah 11, 10 through 13 points to the fact that there's going to be a person who is going to betray Jesus. Um, but there's no name given there. Satan dangled the bait before Judas and Judas went like it like 
went after that bait like a hungry fish. And I find it interesting that he made the deal for only 30 pieces of silver. That was not a lot of money. But I guess greed has no minimum. He wanted to get the last bit for himself. Remember, Judas was salivating whenever Mary was pouring all this expensive ointment over the feet of Christ. Could he be still salivating over getting that little bit of money, which was the simple price of a slave? Why did Judas really deny Jesus? I think, first of all, because of a faulty view of who Jesus was. You know, in one of the great climactic verses, passages of Scripture in the New Testament, Jesus got his disciples together at what we know to be Caesarea Philippi. And he got them all together and he asked them this question, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, he, and what he was saying is, what are they saying out on the street about me? Tell, tell me. What are people saying? Who do they think I am? And so his disciples started to speak up and they said, listen, some people believe you're John the Baptist. Some people believe you're Elijah. Other people believe you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus got real specific and he said, okay, that's the word on the street. But who do you think I am? And Peter, in his <laughs> spontaneity, uh, his aggressiveness, stood up and said, listen, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, in effect, well done. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's interesting that the disciples, the apostles of our Lord, called him Lord. And one of my all-time favorite verses relative to that is John 6, 68. Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. Where do we go when we're in trouble? I'll tell you, I'm glad we can go to the Lord. Amen. I'm glad we can go to God. Uh, you know, we can go to each other and we can be a little bit of an encouragement, a little sounding board. But I'll tell you, it's the Lord that has the words of life. He's the final authority. I found out that uh, Judas in the Bible didn't call Jesus Lord. He called him rabbi or teacher. Uh, he, uh, Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples who he really was. In John 10.30, he said, I and my Father are one. And boy, that's as, that's as plain as it gets right there. Uh, in John chapter 14, verse 9, he says, I have been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Uh, Jesus said this in other verses as well about who he was. Uh, Judas didn't see Jesus that way. Judas saw Jesus as a teacher, a rabbi. And you know, the same holds true with us today. If we fail to recognize Jesus as God incarnate, uh, the only one that can forgive sin and the only one who can give eternal life, uh, we open ourselves up to all sorts of other problems that stem from a wrong view of Jesus. There are many people that have multitudes of opinions about who Jesus was, but there is only one right one. And Jesus said, I and my Father are what? One. John said in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Another reason I believe that he denied the Lord was the fact that he probably lacked a personal relationship with Christ. It's interesting, if you go to Matthew's account and Mark's account and Luke's account, and you get the list of the apostles, you'll find that at the top of the list, in each one of those synoptic gospels, that there are three major ones. Peter, James, and who else? John. They were our Lord's inner circle. Uh, remember, he took them up onto the Mount of Transfiguration with him. He took them to the Garden of Gethsemane with them. He did special things with them. And then when you look through those lists, at the very bottom of all those lists is you-know-who, 
Judas. And Bible scholars seem to imply that those lists describe the apostles somehow in their personal relationship with Jesus. Or in other words, maybe, maybe Judas, because of his guilt from taking the money, uh, kept his arm way out at a distance away from Jesus. He didn't want to get too close because he was so guilty because of what he was doing. You know, when you do something wrong, if you have any kind of conscience at all, you feel guilty about it, don't you? And so you can imagine the enormous guilt that, that Judas had. Here is, the, here is Jesus, and he's doing all these incredible, miraculous things for all these people. And here's Judas on the side, just taking what he wants from the ministry. He kept an arm's length from Jesus. Another reason why I believe that he, that he denied Jesus is the fact that his political gain was fading. Uh, J Judas was in this for what he could get. You know, there are two streams of ancient prophecy in the Old Testament. There's the stream of the suffering servant, and there's the stream of the conquering king. As far as I know, almost everybody in Israel was looking for a king. They craved a king, a leader, like Moses in the Old Testament, the put, who put his foot, finger up into the face of Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And God worked through him to create the exodus. The people in Israel wanted that. They couldn't see it all. They were blinded to the fact that there was the other stream, the stream of the suffering servant. They wanted nothing to do with the suffering servant. They had suffered enough. And so those two streams talk about the two comings of Christ. At the first coming, he came as a suffering servant, and his mission there was more important than the conquering king at the time. Jesus is coming back, we believe today, as King of kings and Lord of lords, according to Revelation 19, to rule and to reign from Jerusalem, which will then be the capital of the world. But he came the first time to do something more important than that. He came the first time to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world, to deliver people from the penalty of their sin, to die upon the cross for every human being on planet Earth uh, who would place their faith and trust in him. And so in the Old Testament, we find Isaiah 53, verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the sin of us all. Now, Judas had the same view of Messiah as most, of, most others. He wanted Jesus to be the king. And when he saw that Jesus was not standing up to his ideal he decided, I'm going to get that last bit out of the ministry. I'll make this deal for 30 pieces of silver. And then I'll watch for a good opportunity to betray him. And the betrayal was given over in John chapter 18. And when they came to Jesus, remember, uh, they came in the night. And uh, Jesus stepped up. And he said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And he did that twice. And whenever he, Jesus presented himself to them, the Bible says that they drew back and fell to the ground. Now, just get this picture. I don't want to be too descriptive this morning. Whenever Jesus came out, uh, all of these people, guards, swords, lights, they're all there. And when he stepped out, the Bible says they fell back. They went back and they fell down. Now, about that time, if I would have been one of the guards, I would have said, you know, I think I'm going home right now. I'm getting out of this environment. Somebody said that was a pretty humble display of the power of Jesus. But Jesus would not be deterred. He could have called 10,000 angels to deliver him at, in any moment. But his pursuit was to go to the cross. He came to die. For your sin and my sin. So that every single person could say, I have a personal Savior. 
I know Christ Jesus on a personal basis. And so they arrested him. Now, Judas very quickly changed his mind. Uh, the Bible says actually in Matthew 27 that he was remorseful, not repentant, but remorseful. He was sorry he did it, but he, he knew that Jesus was an innocent person. But he did it for greed. Well, he spent a lot of time with Jesus, but his heart was far away from him. Now, how do we deny Jesus today? I think we deny Jesus when we deny the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the Holy Spirit in the world today working on people. Do you know that? It's not just coming to church and having people be friendly to you and hearing, uh, hearing a lesson. It's the Holy Spirit who takes the words off the pages of this book in some miraculous way and drops them into our heart and they begin to grow. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said in John 16. And when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin. And that sin is a sin of unbelief. And so the Holy Spirit is working in the world today. And when we deny Jesus, we're denying the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is knocking on a lot of people's hearts today. And we have the choice to say yes or no. And so we deny Jesus. You know, we've... We've made an event today in the church about, about Judas' denial, but we can deny him too. Uh, we deny Jesus sometimes verbally. Peter was a good example of this. Uh, he denied the Lord three times. Uh, Matthew 10.33 says, But whoever denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. One of the students at Columbine High School in 1999 was asked, Are you a Christian? And she said, yes, it cost her her life. Uh, maybe we're not going to go out of this auditorium and deny Jesus verbally, but, you know, there's such a thing as passive denial, too. There's active denial and there's passive denial. And passive denial is, is for the world to look at you and me and see no recognizable difference between us and the world around us. Our daily decisions are not reflecting our commitment to Christ or our profession to Christ. Um, we can deny Christ by saying, I don't know him, I'm not a Christian, or we can just live like we are not Christians. I guess it's essentially almost the same. Now, I have three questions to end our session this morning. First of all, who do you believe and who do I believe that Jesus really is? That's the determining factor right there. Now, if Jesus is who he said he was, his words are so powerful, he created the world. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There's nothing too hard for you. He's God, if he is who he said he was. But who do you... The, the issue is, who do you believe that he is? And then... Uh, are you denying the Holy Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit been knocking on your heart's door saying, listen, uh, I, you need to believe in Christ. You need him. You're lost. You're on the road to hell. Uh, Christ is the answer for your soul's salvation. Uh, are we denying the Holy Spirit? Or are we passively denying Christ? Are we just kind of living our life, going to church and living our life and we just look like everybody else out there. There's no distinguishable difference between the people who claim to be a Christian and those who claim not to be a Christian. Now, those are questions that all of us have to answer. And uh, my thought is this this morning. When you are saved through the power of God and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, I don't think you can be the same. I think you're changed. I think you're ever-changing. I think you never stop changing. I think that God always has a goal for you in your life to grow spiritually, uh, to make you a, a better example for his work in the world. We're never going to be perfect. We know that. We, uh, we, we take that off the table. That's off the table. But we, we do want to be what Christ wants us to be in this world. And so I encourage you to be that person. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed today,
Again, I ask these questions. Who do you believe that Jesus is? I don't think Judas had a good answer for that. I think he believed that Jesus was a fine teacher. But you know, that's not good enough. Are you denying the Holy Spirit today? Is God's Holy Spirit knocking on your heart's door, convicting you of your sin, the sin, first of all, of unbelief in Christ? To believe in Christ means to embrace Him, uh, to make Him your Savior, uh, to live by His teaching, to walk in His ways, not just to give Him uh, the time of day. Are you denying the Holy Spirit? Or are you passively denying Christ? Are you just going to leave this church today and live like the people of the world without any eternal perspective, without any brokenness for the souls of the people around you? Are you, are you going to live like that? I think that's passive denial of Christ. Dear Lord, I just pray this morning in this church that you will drive this story to our hearts, to mine, and to everyone here today. May we uh, see the points that you have pointed out by your Spirit in our life, and may we apply them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation song today. And if you'd like to come and pray anything that's going on in your life or the life of a friend, just feel free to do that now. In the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness you are there, in the secret, in the quiet hour I wait only for you cause I want to Every 